Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. All right, well, we're, this is going to be a little bit of a different day. We're still in our Connecting the Dots series where we're um, talking about the little stories of the Bible that tell God's big story that help us understand our story. But we're at a part this week in the reading plan with Psalms and Proverbs. And Psalms and Proverbs are a part of the Old Testament referred to as the wisdom books, along with uh, Job and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. And they don't really, um, they just serve a different purpose than moving the story forward. And I'm only going to go through Psalms, and Psalms are uh, fantastic. Uh, David wrote about half the Psalms, and typically we think, oh, David wrote all the Psalms, but he didn't. He wrote about half of them. A bunch of people wrote the rest of them. They were written over a time period of 700 years, and Um, a bunch of different circumstances, and while the rest of the Bible is really God communicating to us, uh, he's communicating to us through the Psalms, but through the form of us communicating back to God, and they're really fantastic. So I want to introduce those really by leaning back in a story um, that if you're doing the reading plan, it's a few weeks ago, it's the story of Hannah, who is the Judge Samuel's um, mom, and Hannah is um, a woman who's married to a guy named Elkanah. He has another wife. I think her name was Penuel, and so that's kind of weird, but, you know, there's some stuff in the Bible that's kind of weird, and, um, and she cannot have kids, but Elkanah's other wife can have kids, and that creates some, um, as, as, well, we can't imagine, thankfully, but some really funky dynamics where uh, Hannah is jealous of the other lady, and the other lady is kind of giving it to her all the time. I can have kids, but you can't have kids, and it creates this uh, jealousy. So, it says that as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, the other wife used to provoke her, and Hannah wept and would not eat. So Elkanah, her husband, uh, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more than, than ten sons to you? Uh, that was probably not the right thing to say. You know, I'm not a girl, I don't know, but I, that just, I'm pretty good at not, I probably say too little uh, which is weird because I talk all the time, but but I probably say too little rather than say too much. I should probably speak more, but I'm pretty good at not saying the wrong thing, and I'm pretty confident that that was the wrong thing to say at that time. I'm guessing he got a look. But then it says, after they'd eaten and drunk, so she did eat after that, in Shiloh, where they're bringing their offering to the Lord, um, Hannah rose, and it says, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And then it says that Hannah was deeply distressed, and she prayed to the Lord, And she wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed will look upon the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman." That's an interesting scene, and I don't know if you've ever done that. Sometimes when I'm praying in a group, I will, like, pray, like, silently while other people are praying. You hear a little bit, you know, and you, that happens sometimes. But he, she's really, like, pouring her heart, to, heart out to the Lord, but, but not with her out loud voice. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a, trouble, a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Don't regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety 
and my vexation. And I love that this scene is in the Bible. And this is what the Psalms are. It is a pouring out of your soul before the Lord. I love that there's a few times in the Bible where people, because of their devotion to the Lord, are presumed to be drunk. It happens with, uh, at Pentecost when, when Jesus' disciples get the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in different languages and it's 9 o'clock in the morning and the crowd's like, these guys are drunk. And Peter says, we're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, which leaves open the possibility that maybe a little bit later they would be, but it's just there's something really real about it. Um, and there's something, as a, as a somewhat stoic Midwesterner, I'm convicted that I don't express enough what's in my heart for the Lord, or for other people for that matter, uh, enough. And maybe I'm not even in touch with what's in my heart for the Lord because I'm, I'm too much head and, and too little heart. You know, and I know if you were in the room right now, I'd get some amens to that uh, if I've been your pastor for a while. And I, I don't trust my heart enough. And Psalm, Psalms is a book that speaks to the heart and from the heart. And I wonder if I expressed what was what fully, what was in my heart for the Lord, what would people perceive? If they watched me express my heart fully as Hannah did, you know, would they think I'm drunk? Uh, would they think I'm a happy drunk? Or would they think I'm an angry drunk? Because those are two different things. You know, I thought about the scene from Elf where Will, Will Ferrell's like, oh, you're an angry elf. Is that, is that how they would perceive it? Would they perceive if you expressed your heart for the Lord that you're like Sleepy the Dwarf, you know, like, like there's just not much there. And so those are convicting thoughts. I thought about emojis, you know, and how we have all these different emojis that we express different emotions. And so which emoji or which emojis, because I think there's always a few things going on, would best capture uh, your, what's going on in your heart for the Lord right now? Do you even know? Uh, in, my, in this pastor's group that I talk about from time to time, we use um, that, that app Jiffy. And, and so there's just all sorts of things that go on because you're looking for a way to express how you feel about something and you can't quite grasp it. I thought about just songs and how you have different songs for different moods and psalms. Many of them have been, you know, turned into worship songs and they were songs uh, originally. And so I thought about when I was a kid, what you would do is make a mixtape. If you like somebody, you'd make them a mixtape and it'd express all these different emotions. And so Psalms is a little bit like the mixtape of, of the Bible. Um, and that's one way to think of it. There's a theologian from the Reformation, a pastor and theologian named John Calvin, who has uh, um, his introduction to his commentary in the Psalms says this, and it's fantastic and it's surprising because I think of John Calvin as like all all head and no heart. But this is what he says. I've been accustomed, accustomed to call this book, I think not inappropriately, in an anatomy of the soul. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror, or rather the Holy Spirit here uh, has drawn to the light all of the griefs, sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, perplexities, in short, all of the distracting emotions with which the minds of men are wont to be agitated. It's got all of it. He says, other parts of Scripture contain the command, but we hear the prophets themselves, seeing they are exhibited to us speaking to God and laying open their inmost thoughts and affections, call or rather draw each of us to the examination of himself in particular in order that none of the many infirmities to which we are subject, the vices to which we abound, may remain concealed, but it exposes our heart. He concludes, it's a rare and singular advantage when all the lurking places are discovered and the heart is brought into light, purged from that most baneful infection, hypocrisy. 
And man, that's something this, the church struggles with. We struggle with being hypocritical. And, and he says Psalms is something that draws us out so that we can no longer do that. So what I want to do this morning is, is I picked out a few Psalms that take our souls to different, like, or take us to different places within our souls and just talk about those for just a few minutes and then have Jake lead us in songs that correspond to those places. And I'm going to start with Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And this takes your soul to a place, or takes my soul to a place of wonder. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, and that look is not just look, it's inspect, perceive, consider, uh, when God creates in Genesis chapter 1, he saw that what he created was good. He didn't just look at it. He saw it. He evaluated it and saw it's good. Uh, when Eve in Genesis chapter 3 has the fruit, it says that she saw that the fruit was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desired to make one wise. She looked at it, and she made a judgment on it. She evaluated it. There's more to that. When I, when I see what God has done, how often do you really perceive, consider the works of God's hands. What evokes you to wonder? I, uh, there's a book that I've recommended the last few years called Miracles, and uh, the author's gone a little, he's just a little off the rails, not morally, but just some of the stuff he's done. But the book is, the content of the book isn't changed by that. It's still really good. He, um, he uh, the first third of the book is really science. It's data, and um, it, it just, it's, it defies explanation how perfectly all this stuff works together, and it brings me and, and others to a place of, of wonder. The second two-thirds of the book are personal experiences with supernatural aspects of God that you read it and you're like blown away by. It takes you to a place um, of wonder. I, a couple weeks ago, I took my two youngest kids uh, to the Outer Banks. We had a, had a day off of school, and I took a day off, and we went out there, and we went to... Uh, or whatever the island is out there with the settlement Roanoke, I think, and then we went to, to Kitty Hawk, and there's something about the first settlement in the United States and the first place where guys flew in, in a plane being 10 minutes away from, there's some wonder there, and then we went down the beach and the, up, the lighthouse and got something to eat, and we're driving home, and I think just the day, the things that we saw, just spending a day with, with two of my kids, looking at a sunset on the way home, I got to a place of... Um, there's just, there's no way this just happened. <laughs> there's no way this is just all there is. Like, there's so much more to it than what we can perceive with our five senses. And I was just in a place of wonder. I linked an article in the weekly this week uh, by a pastor who, he lost his son within the, the last year. His college-age son was at school playing, had a game night with his friends and his fiance, and just, out of nowhere, died. And so he's been in this place and pretty open about it, but, but he's talking about heaven and the idea of heaven being home. 
and it evokes a wonder that we know is within us that he touches on it. What is it that causes you, when's the last time you've been in that state of wonder? Because that's a place that we need to go to from time to time and a place that this psalm takes us to. And so David says, what is the son of man that you're mindful of him, or man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? With all the things that you've created, like, how is it that you care for me? <laughs> if you're so transcendent, how can you be so imminent to me? And yet you've made us a little lower than the angels, the heavenly beings, crowned us with, with glory and honor, given us dominion over the weak works of your hands, put all things under his feet, sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea. We're different. We're different. My dog, Joe, never wonders. You know, I love our dog. Uh, we'll play cards in our house a lot. The dog will come down and just kind of, you know, be right there, and I'll put a deck of cards in front of his paws, be like, come on, Joe, play cards with us, and make a joke about how thumbs would be useful at that point. You know, sometimes I'll be like, hey, can you take the garbage out? Like, this could be so much better. But, but he never wonders. He never just messes around with the cards. Like, if only I had thought. It's not, because we're different. God has made us something different. And as we've seen in the story so far, like we've messed things up pretty good. And yet, what does it say about God that he's still on us and pursuing us and chasing us? And it's meant to bring us up of a place of, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Him and hum 